This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a postmortem on the young, restless, and reform in many ways. But this show is more than that, too. And I am your host for all of it, though, Matt. And I am joined as normal as by Pastor Michael. Michael, I'm a little worried about what will happen to the introduction to our show after I am ordained. <laughs> I don't really want to change it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what you, it, it's not lying if you just keep it going, is it? I mean, <laughs> it's like, not, it's not, And but, but it does. But so everybody knows we are less than a week out from Matt being ordained. That is something that is on the horizon. So, so that's it exciting. Is, it is exciting. Pastor Matt and Pastor Michael. You guys can let me know how, if, if, uh, if, if I should change uh, how I, how we introduce this. Now, the, the, the big thing I'm worried is, is we have. In, and I have, I shouldn't say we, I have clearly leaned into the shtick of this show for years now of me, oh, normal guy, talking <laughs> to a pastor and um, the Lord's call, which uh, I, you know, I, I receive with joy as we join in planting the church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, will be blowing that shtick a little bit. It's yes. Yes, it will, but that's okay. Also, it because it's a podcast shtick, I'm sure that we can keep keep using it. Because you are still a regular guy too. I am a regular guy. I am both. You get to be both. I am. And the backgrounds that people are used to when they see my video will not change and it will not improve, at least for the time being. Um, but that is not primarily what we are here for today, though we have had requests from our patrons to do a uh, Patreon exclusive where I talk about updates from the church plant. And so we will be recording that. I don't know if we'll do it today, but we'll be doing it very soon where I'll tell Pastor Michael about some things going on and he can um, either ask questions about things he knows that have gone on or, or just, and we can talk uh, about it there. And That'd be so, super fun. And a good reason why you should sign up for the Patreon. Yes, you can. We would love to have you. Um, we would also love for you to, um, subscribe to the YouTube of this podcast. We're about 10 people away. We will be uploading. I will try and upload something in video form, at least for the next three weeks to try and encourage YouTube to help us make this uh leap too, because we understand. I've been, I've been working on shorts, although our, our format doesn't always, isn't always the best for, for video shorts. Some of the ones we've been having have been working out. Okay. And I do. I also, this week I'm planning to edit together. Uh, one of our recent episodes we recorded so that we have the video of it um, posted too. Awesome. So, so there will be some of that coming. So we're excited for that. Um, now today though, we're here to do something um, pastor Michael and I really enjoy doing. I enjoyed our first entry into the series recording that um, we are continuing our series through the apostles creed, what we believe, what we uh, what new Calvinists, what the reformed, what we need to believe um, as the Bible teaches it and confess as just those who are part of the church that Jesus Christ has founded. And so go back. You can find the first one of these. These will become a list and we will um, find it. Uh, we've also been asked, uh, we mentioned in a Patreon episode as well, some resources we've used in studying the Apostles' Creed. And someone asked us to put a list of those on the website, which we will soon do. And so you can find 
some further reading, not by us, um, but by other uh, uh, gifted saints about about that. But today we will be covering um, part of the first line of the creed and the Apostles' Creed opens, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And so we are not going to go through the creed um, as slowly as we can, but today we will be talking about what it means to believe in God in general, because obviously the creed, this is the subject of the entire creed, right? This is, it's a religion, we would call it a religious creed. It's a theological creed. We are discussing not what we believe about economics or what makes for a good marriage or budgeting or what will make Pastor Michael a successful homesteading pastor, but our theological beliefs. Yes. Yeah. The fundamental core foundational uh, doctrinal beliefs of Christianity. What makes Christianity distinct um, and what makes it Christian, right? What, right. what do you have to believe to truly be a Christian? Well, this right. faithfully summarized in the Apostles' Creed. Right. And we live in a bit of an interesting time because obviously the creed was written and has historically been used in places where the creed most profoundly is summarizing what people believe about God. Right. So in pretty much all of human history, talking about a belief in God was a generic, uninteresting and undescriptive situation. However, we live in a time where actually saying my beliefs aren't like, here are my beliefs about God, but we actually have to start from the place of saying, I believe in God. Yeah, which is wild. And this is something that we'll find, you know, even as we talk, we'll maybe elaborate a bit on, but that is so strikingly strange yeah. just for the human race to be at a place where at least in a very small portion of the West, <laughs> as far as the kind of like intellectual discourse of society, it is governed by uh, at, at least functional, if not explicit atheism. And that is, it's foolish as we'll get into, it's, it's silly, but um, it, it's also just historically strange. The vast majority of all of people for all of history all intellectuals for all of history, all inventors and creators and artists and masters of any craft, um, all even scientists. Um, and the vast majority of people today across the world um, and even in the West still, the majority of people uh, believe in some form of God, right? Some kind of God. It may be a false God. Um, they may not have the true understanding of God, but the vast majority of people do have at least that fundamental belief. Now, that's not enough, right? We're not William Lane Craig. We're not going to say, well, that's where we're going to stop. I'm just, I'm glad this debate is just about that. The preponderance of the evidence points to the idea that there's a God, because that's not even where the Apostles' Creed stops. No, I believe in God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it is, uh, it is far more than that. Um, it, it is far more in depth, but it is good to speak into this world that, you know, thank the Lord is moving away from this, uh, but has for a long time been captivated, at least for the last, you know, several decades been captivated by the idea of atheism and um, particular, particularly um, in its secular humanist form and in 
the form that really was expounded by, you know, what are sometimes called the new atheists, which is a particularly arrogant atheism, right? And like a very ignorant, but very arrogant atheism. Right. So today, then we are going to, um, we are going to spend, especially the latter half of this podcast, interacting with, um, with atheism to differentiate ourselves from those as those who indeed believe in when you God. say interacting are you, do you just mean mocking <laughs> we'll find out um <laughs> we'll find out why why pastor michael in a recent um uh a recent message to me expressed his conviction his deep conviction and probably christian conviction that atheism is cringe and so we may look at some examples as to what could have caused him to have such a reaction <laughs> But so we will interact. We will look at those things. But first, I want to talk about um, what it means biblically to believe in God. Um, you know, when we obviously we might make some statements about who God is, though, we should say again, of course, we can't say that everything we would need to say or want to say about belief in God, because we will do that in further descriptions in further parts of the creed um and so we hope uh you'll forgive us as we don't uh don't cover it all today so pastor michael what what would you say what does it mean to believe in god so we talked last time about the idea of belief and how um it's it's not um just simply uh a purely maybe intellectual assent or something like that that's part of it uh, but it's more, it actually has this element of true trust, loyalty, allegiance. And so when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, we're not, we are not simply stating like a, a list of facts that we we hold to intellectually. And so I think that's important right from the start. Um, it is one thing to talk about the the intellectual side, right? Is it is it something, is it intelligent to believe in? God, the idea of God. Uh, but when we're talking about it, we're also, um, we want to go deeper. And maybe a way to kind of express why you even have to go deeper than that is to look at what the scripture says about um, different aspects of belief in God. Mm. So for instance, um, in Romans 1, um, we're told that there's a certain sense in which everybody knows that God exists. Everybody uh, knows in a certain way. I mean, it may not be completely conscious, um, but in Romans uh, 1, and I'm just quick looking this up, so I I didn't have the verse memorized. Um, That's because Pastor Michael is not a hardcore pre-supper. That's why he doesn't have this <laughs> verse memorized. So this is Romans 1. I'll start in verse 18, but especially focus on verse 19. Uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So there's a sense in which everybody knows there is a God. This is why, by the way, it is so such a small percentage and such a, a small um, such a small group in history that have ever believed in some idea of atheism, 
right? A- atheism is, uh, it is completely um, novel historically. And that doesn't bother really ignorant people, <laughs> but, but uh, it, it should bother you. Um, it should bother you to think, oh, so everybody throughout all of human history that built the world that I live in were convinced that there was some kind of God. Not maybe not, they didn't all have the same conclusions about that, um, but they believe that. Why? Well, it's because nature itself makes it plain. Nature declares the glory of God. It declares that there is a God. Specifically here, uh, Paul makes plain that um, what can be known about God just from nature, what can be made plain about God is his invisible attributes, uh, namely his eternal power and divine nature. So in other words, there is a God, right? And he is powerful. He's greater than us. He's beyond us. He created everything, right? So so the the fact that there is nature, this is, this is uh, evidence for him, so to speak. Um, it's, it's undeniable evidence. The fact that there is creation requires that there is then a creator. Yes. Now, beyond that, there's going to be, you know, um, obviously you see throughout human history, especially because of the suppression of the truth, there are ways in which the, the reality about God um, that is made known in nature and in conscience, as Paul goes on to say, is it's it's not enough. It doesn't give you a, a full orbed view, right? Um, it does not, for instance, uh, outright to uh, the to natural man, it does not outright reveal everything that we have in the Apostles' Creed, right? That takes special revelation. Um, but the the fact of God is clear and evident and obvious. That's right. In fact, right, you have this idea of... Um, in Paul's letter in the Romans, right, where it says that he was set apart as an apostle, which he promised beforehand through the scriptures. Paul talks about revelation of the revelation of Christ, right? He talks about all these things that are via special revelation. And then he talks about this idea of, but God's powerful divine nature, him being a creator, therefore all mankind owing God thanksgiving is of general revelation meaning like psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of god right that god has made creation in a way to reveal who he is Hmm. i think sometimes though when we talk about people get a little bit confused when people say and if we happen to have a atheist listening which is unlikely though we may find out uh given what we will do towards the end where that's not impossible somehow they find you (laughs) is 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 that when we oftentimes when people say, well, they suppress the truth, people are like, oh, you just think they're lying. Like they're just pretending right. they don't believe no. in God. And that's not what the suppression of truth Paul means. No, right? Paul means the things about creation that are evident to them. The fact that the, all things exist, the fact that all things need a cause, the fact that there is a regularity of nature, the fact that there is invisible um invisible things that have real reality like the laws of logic mathematics uh human love all these things are real that means there's an invisible reality beyond the observable world all of these things testify to the existence of god yes the human conscience right the fact that people right when people say things as an accusation against the bible 
well, people knew not to murder before the Bible and, you know, all of these kinds of things. The idea that there is a somewhat united kind of human conscience, the idea that all people, again, not infallibly uh, because of sin, because of problems, because of ignorance, all people have things that bother their conscience. There is an innate, not always right, but there is an innate sense of right and wrong. These things testify to it. And people who would say there is no God, if they were being consistent, would not live in light of any of these things. Yeah. Because they only make sense in the sense of a world. And so even people who say there's no morality say like, well, I'm going to bring my neighbor's trash cans in. Right. They're, they're living yeah, in C.S. Lewis, of a you know, points day. out that anybody who says there's no objective morality, you just have to go kick them in the shins right. and see what they do. Right. They'll be upset because what you've done is wrong. And you will say, well, I thought there's no objective morality. And obviously they won't take that, but um, they'll say, well, yeah, but right here, there's a subjective morality or something like that. They'll do something silly. But obviously everybody knows every like that testifies to the reality that we do all know in a certain way, right? Or, or at least you could say it is plain, right? What can be known is plain. Whether you suppress it or not, it's still plain. Just because you don't recognize it doesn't mean that it's not evident and recognizable in the world. And, and that's that why you, the vast majority of people have recognized it. And that you, even denying it, still live in light of it. Yes. Still act as if there were a God, which is why yeah. you will hear even atheists say, actually, for most of human history, it's probably good people thought there was a God. Yep. They and that's happening right it. now. That's a huge movement right now is a lot of atheists are saying, well, maybe I need to be more of a Christian atheist because the way the world's going as I've made it to go <laughs> is so horrifying and horrible as people reject the Christian morality that built the world all around me that maybe I need to believe myself to be a Christian atheist, which, you know, is a kind of absurdity, but you know, God bless them. Maybe, maybe they're on the way to something real. Yeah. And so that, that this is what, this is what Paul, right. You know, is truly getting at. And obviously Paul's argument is the longer you refuse to worship the one true God, the further into immorality and absurdity you will descend. Yeah. Um. Now, of course, and this is why we're talking about what it means to believe in God. That we cannot forget Romans chapter two, where Paul confronts a group, the group of Jews who, like you with us, would be cheering us as we gave this first answer. And then Paul says their sin condemns them. So, um, Pastor Michael, do you think there's there are other important things to consider when it comes to um, what we mean? Uh, when we confess our belief in God. It certainly includes everything we've just said. The world, yes. my world makes no sense without God. My world owes everything to God. Yep. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, you brought this up right before we started recording, uh, but, you know, to uh, point out um, from uh, the book of James where we're told, well, the demons believe in God and shudder, right? It's It's not enough to just believe in God on some level, to just know that he is, to know he exists. Um, and it's not enough to believe in a God. 
like just a deity of some kind to just have some kind of agnostic understanding that yes, there is a power out there beyond me that created everything and that is in charge of everything, but that's it, right? Like I'm just done or some kind of deistic view, right? Like, well, maybe there's a God, but he's distant, unrelated to the world. Um, there's no way that he's ever communicated with us or communicates with us. And so um, there's no way of knowing him. Um, all of that is ultimately not the kind of belief that we're talking about, right? To believe in God is to believe in, in the God, the true God, the triune God, right? The God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, because that is the God that created heaven and earth, that is Father, Son, and Spirit, that did, uh, you know, take on flesh and uh, come and dwell among us and, uh, you know, did uh, stand before Pontius Pilate and, and uh, die on the cross. And that like, that is the God who is the, the giver of life. And, and so like, we're not, in other words, we're not doing this in the abstract. Mm. We're talking right. about belief in, in what is true and real um, and, and is right by very definition, right? God is, um, we, we subsist, but, but God is, and that like, that's it, right? Like we we have life because of him, but he is life itself. That's why he reveals himself as I I am. Um, he is the God who who is, who is is eternal and um exists outside of and beyond creation, who is transcendent. So um it it's important to remember that, right? We're not just saying knowing things about this God um is is that belief. We're not just saying, well, just to know that there is a God. Um, but no, we're talking about knowing when we say, I believe in God, the father almighty and go on, right. The whole creed following, um, we're saying, I believe I, I entrust myself. I, 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 you know, pledge my allegiance to, uh, and my loyalty to the one who is truly God, the one God. So, yeah. And I think that James quote, right. One of the things James is getting at, right. It's in the famous justified by faith and works or not works that, you know, people get tied knots with that you don't need to don't worry about it everybody justification by faith is the teaching of james and paul no worries um we'll come back to that another day but right he is saying you the belief we are talking about lives in light of this lives yes. in light of this god too um now let's before we uh go back to our modern setting let's actually go back to the ancient setting the part of this statement that would have actually been more difficult for an original hearer to comprehend. That that actually, when you read the early commentaries on the rule of faith, which is the, the proto versions of the Apostles' Creed, one of the things that many apologists say, they learned from the rule of faith that there is one God, that this is monotheism, not polytheism. Yes. Uh, so again, we live in a day where people are like polytheism what are you crazy again yep. it, even though everyone in history would look at us and go atheism what are you crazy right so these things come and go Hobbes they come and go and that's okay um because the true God Jesus Christ he lives forever um but tell tell us about why tell us about um why monotheism why not polytheism where you know how does that what is there any way we can relate to that today? Yeah, uh, so you're right. So one of the the early claims against Christianity was 
like you said, not that it was crazy that they believe in a God, um, but that they believe that there is one God, one true God. Um, and, uh, and they were called atheists, but, you know, just funny enough, um, they were called atheists because in believing in the one true God, they also denied the, the, they did not deny the existence of um, these false gods, the Roman gods or any other gods from whatever culture they would enter into. Um, but they did deny the supreme authority of, um, or the true, you know, the true ultimate divinity of these gods, right? That, that they were not the ultimate source of all things, the, the, the God, the life of all things, right? The, the creator of all things. Um, and as far as that creator, there is only one, right? There is one God who can uh, properly be called God. Again, not to say that there were not other, you know, what you might call divine beings, right? Angelic beings, demons um, that, you know, New Testament talks about rulers and powers and principalities. Um, there are a lot of different, you know, the, the sons of God uh, throughout scripture is sometimes used to describe, you know, um, these, these, you know, uh, angelic or divine beings, right? So there are spiritual beings outside of just God himself, who is spirit. However, they are not God in this same sense, right? Um, the, the same word may be used to describe him at times as them, uh, but they were false gods. And sometimes, right, so, uh, you know, we, we do uh, know when, you know, for instance, when Paul talks about idols, right, and these gods, he, I mean, he says, right, they, these idols, well, they're demons, hmm. right? They are demons, um, I don't know that that means that every false god ever named was truly a demon. I think it's very possible. I think it's Augustine um, who you can uh, read talking about the the Roman gods in City of God. And I may be misquoting this. I'm just kind of pulling it out of my memory right now. So I could be wrong. I did not look this up. But I believe it was in the City of God where he talks about how, you know, some of these Roman gods, well, some of it may have just been like, it may, maybe some of it was just stories that became kind of politicized and part of the, you know, the central myth of the state. And so it had to, um, you know, be embellished more and more over time. You can imagine something like, for instance, you know, George Washington, he, you know, he, he cannot tell a lie and and those sorts of things, right? Um, these things, just embellishments over time um, that that became what they were. Uh, he also says that, you know, some of these things, maybe it was just great men that slowly over time were, you know, uh, then spoken of as if they were like gods. Mm. Uh, but then he also says, and of course, some of them were like actual, like false gods. They were, they were demonic beings, right? They were, they were spiritual beings um, that in some way demanded some kind of worship or people found a way to worship and, and it was wicked and evil. Uh, but so it, you know, we can be um, thoughtful about how these things developed and, and, you know, just the nature of humanity, you're going to have all of these things. Um, but there, there was the understanding that no, there are like legitimate um, powers, so to speak, an early church apologetic, by the way, and I haven't done a lot of research into this, but I have read about it and I'd like to do more research, but there was an early church apologetic against all of the false gods of the nations of the Gentile regions of, of whoever it may be. Um, and, and the apologetic was that at the time of Christ's resurrection, all of the, the powers associated with the idolatrous gods of the world ceased and just stopped, right? So, so where these false gods were actually able, in some sense, to um, produce some kind of effect, right? You sacrifice to them, and 
there's a healing or there's some kind of, you know, bumper crop or what have you, um, when these things seem to happen, uh, there's, there's an apologetic of the early church that says, look, your demon gods, they don't do anything anymore. Why is that? How come they always did all of this, you know, these amazing things and now they don't do anything? Well, it's because, you know, think about the Egyptians, for instance, in the story of Moses, they do all of these, you know, the Egyptian, uh, uh, high priests and, and, uh, magic men, so to speak, they were, I mean, they were doing all kinds of, of seemingly miraculous things in the name of demon gods. And then the true God triumphed over them, uh, to such an extent that even they told Pharaoh, no, we can't do all the things that this Moses does in the name of his God. Um, well, that was an early church apologetic that that same thing had happened basically across the board. I don't know if that's true. I don't, you know, but, but I'm really intrigued by that, um, at least. And that's just to say that you know we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't see this idea of of monotheism to say oh well there's nothing else spiritual going on in the world um, no the the point was that God is the only true God right the Lord is the only true God right the God of gods the Lord of lords the King of kings is the idea that He is the only one in His class right the Lord yes. is one. Um, there's there's there is none like him. There right. are other things that people have worshipped as gods, but they are not like him. They may have power, but not power like him. And all power in the world and all authority in the world besides in him is derivative, right? It all comes ultimately from him. And that that is the key. The key is the church in its many different kinds of answers to claims of idolatry and superstition. Um and probably depending on the person, depending on the circumstance, it always answered divine is not a class. There's anyone else in divine yeah. is God. God is God and God alone. And so everything is either you are either God or you are either. And we would say then, obviously, as the creed will get to, you are the creator or you are the creation. Yeah, everything else. And and this is a hard line. Mm hmm. And because even with many of the um, um, idolatrous gods, right, there's kind of a gray area where they're kind yeah. of they participate in both. And and that was what the church was opposed to. But Pastor Michael, it's come time for you and I to, as the early church did, march into the world for the task of apologetics. So as Pastor Michael mentioned at the beginning of this episode, when we were talking about YouTube, Pastor Michael has gotten involved here with man. Uh, video and social the atheist the atheist found me and right. we should just remember at the outset atheism is cringe right everything we've been saying should tell you atheism is cringe it's just something that is is an absurdity to believe <laughs> it really so we, is we will see if pastor michael can back that claim using the comments left so pastor michael has started um clipping sections of his sermon um to put on on facebook and on youtube uh, for people from the church to be able to share really short clips that might be helpful or interesting, cause conversation. Um, and that's a great, because these sermons are recorded, it's a great thing. Now, our show has a much bigger download, listener, follow list than Pastor Michael's church, which is, you know, neither here nor there. Um, Ouch, but, Matt. Ouch. I just <laughs> But to, to Pastor Michael's credit, we have never... I don't even think on our one dispensational short we made many years ago. I don't think we've ever had more than 200 comments rack up. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I posted, so this is from, I don't even, I th I believe it was a sermon about um, the resurrection as actually I've, you know, uh, Matt and I have been doing a series um, uh, at our church through the Apostles' Creed. And so I, I believe that this had to do with the resurrection. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't totally remember. Um, but uh, I just posted a short, a, a video short on Facebook that I had first posted on YouTube um, called Christianity is not a fairy tale. And let's let's play the very clip, this short audio before we before we continue so that everyone knows the precise thing we are going to be in, interacting with. This is one of those silly ideas that only so-called enlightened modern men, right? Scientific man could think of that religions are formed on the basis of some kind of fairy tale, but somebody tells it maybe really convincingly, and that's why these things took place, right? Christianity, this is just, it's just, it's just a story. And some people told the story, and those backwards people back in the day, they just believed it because they just believed anything. That's absurd. That's, that's a silly idea. So Pastor Michael, obviously this is a very very short clip of you speaking. it's a short you know it and is it's it's just and, it, and honestly this was a side comment yep i just thought it would make a good clip but it was a side comment in for the rest of the sermon right it was just talking about the the historical reality of the resurrection right? right and so this is just a side comment about the way that often people think about the formation particularly of christianity although you know i speak in of you know religion in general but i'm really focused I'm, my intent was to be talking about christianity can you tell our audience why because you don't explain why you think that because again it's a short you might have in your sermon i don't know it doesn't matter yep. um but just for our audience will you explain why you think that is an absurd hypothesis which is essentially the modern hypothesis of yeah. the development of religions. Yeah, it does because it it assumes um a, a complete ignorance and stupidity upon anybody who came before us, right? So, you know, a lot of times people are we're we're told, well, these are just backwards goat herders. That's what they'll often say, which isn't even true by the way. Read your Bible, right? They were fishermen or tax collectors, <laughs> right? Like anyway, um <laughs> uh but they, they'll just say, well, they, they were just so, you know, these people were so stupid and they just believed anything. And that's how this this came about. Um, so I'm just responding to that by saying, no, that's actually that in itself is actually a very ignorant idea. That's an ignorant claim. Um, in fact, these are the people that that built the world that you now live in. They weren't stupid. But even even so, especially when we're looking at Christianity. And again, that was my focus. Um you have these people that you say just, you know, it was just this dumb story and they just believed it. That doesn't make sense of the apostles. It doesn't make sense of the apostle Paul, for instance, who was an incredibly smart man, right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he was an incredibly intelligent person and he actively hated and persecuted Christianity. Mm. And then he became its uh, foremost apostle and defender and apologist, right? That doesn't happen by just a silly, you know, it's just a fairy tale and you're so dumb, you believe it, right? That actually, that's, that's not uh, a, an explanation, uh, an explanation uh, for what happened to say the apostle Paul or the others, right? I mean, when you start to think about the persecution that they endured, now I'm not saying that people cannot, 
um, do really extreme things, giving, you know, uh, giving their lives or other things for false beliefs. Of course that can happen. Um, but it is not, it is not the process of mere silly wive tales, superstition that leads to those sorts of things. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad you did that because, uh, for example, we are going to go through some of these and I have this sorted from. Yeah, most so I just post this to the church Facebook page, by the way. Yep. And it now has 233 comments. Almost 100% of it is mostly Thank boomer you. atheists <laughs> who, and a lot of what they said was cringe. Now I've read very few of these because right. I don't care and, to. And we are going to read very, very <laughs> few of these because there are so many. There's but, so many. But we're we're just here for the atheists who are like Pierre, who is expecting a refutation and maybe another day. Well, Pierre. Today is your day. Today is your day. Um, <laughs> this is are, for you, Pierre. There are so many of these that obviously we couldn't. And so, you know, a, a number of them are like, no, you, this is exactly what it is, right? Like, obviously, we're not going to interact with those, like, because those are obviously, right? When, when, when you, again, Pastor Michael didn't offer an explanation, you don't owe him an explanation. But why, what would possess you to leave a comment that is, no, that is what it is in like, like in any way would, would be interesting. So God bless him actually. And I'm, and I'm hopeful that in doing this, they saw the truth, but what this did, what I loved about it. And the reason I even just left all the comments, most of them being, you know, really mocking of, of me or the church or God. Uh, the reason I left it is because the very fact that they kept commenting, kept this thing going through the algorithm, finding all of their friends. And so I was like, this is awesome, right? Praise God. My preaching is getting in with all of these people that would never listen to me otherwise, that I would never even interact with otherwise for any reason. And now they have to they have to uh, see it. And the fact that they saw this means that probably they saw at least one other short from a sermon. And if it was anything, you know, any time around when they were really going hard after this post, it means that probably they heard the gospel, right? So I'm thankful for that, you know? So let me just say, as we interact with a few of these, uh, I just want Christians not to be afraid of atheist objections. Because let me just bust one. <laughs> and they're going to have a they have a YouTube link with all the sources for this. The Bible. Oh my goodness, between, this is bad. <laughs> the Bible was written between 400 BC through about 900 AD, and even secular scholars today would not accept these dates. So just so you know, that's error number one. Before Rome presented it to the Jews as the official account of the Bible. Error number two, and it was not even published until 13th and 14th century AD, and the King James Bible was not published until 1611. Error. This is all that was. It's all right, and it's from a it's of, from a podcast called Forbidden Knowledge. That was. <laughs> it just shows it, how silly, uh, like it it is not an intellectual belief. Yeah, like it is when what's. What's hilarious about how God works is that when people harden their hearts to the most obvious things that are possible to know, such as there is a creator, right? There is a creator outside of me. Um, when somebody uh, hardens their heart against such a clear reality like that, he gives them over to their foolishness so that mm -hmm. somebody can say something so absurd. When you and I have read scriptures from well before the 900s <laughs> when evidently they were presented to the jews 
the, the Christian scriptures, ironically enough, were presented yeah, I, to the Jews who did not receive them. Also, the nine the nine hundreds, like what? I don't know. So, so Pastor Michael, I'm going to pick a few of these in a few genres. Here's the and there's the most interacted with comment, and this is an entire genre of these. Here's the explanation. Actually, every society creates gods. It's just human to create these kinds of visions. Now, I'm going to give one brief response, and if that suffices for you, you we can just move on. Your answer is right. Every society does do this. It's true. You still haven't explained to me why. You haven't told me why. Because a perfectly logical and rational explanation of why is because there is a God. Right. Because it's obvious and clear to everybody <laughs> except for you and your 100 friends that listen to the Forbidden podcast or whatever you have it is. To, right? You have to determine why why. If you want to use Occam's razor, which is a which is a favorite, why the answer wouldn't be everyone thinks this in general because this is a this is actually a common because thing. it's the closest to reality, right? Well, and you know, uh, if this is true that yeah, every human society does this, everybody just does this, it's human, then why don't you, right? That's that's actually a better question. If everyone else has always done this then why are you doing something different? Now, I know you think it's because you're so much smarter than every person that's ever lived, right? right. Uh, but that's that's actually the, the most arrogant and blind conclusion that you could come to in such a case. Right. So here's another one. This is from a, an, a very smart guy, by the way. So is the Loch Ness Monster. But many <laughs> people believe in it or want it to be true. Same thing. Pastor Michael, how would your belief in God be different than the um, uh, the credulity it would take to just simply accept the existence of the Loch Ness Monster? Uh, so, I mean, he's writing this living in a world that was built by Christians. <laughs> I mean, in like built by Christendom, uh, you know, like he's he's uh, trying to use even try. He's trying to use I'm not saying he's using, but he's trying to use, for instance, logic. Um, something that uh, he's doing because, again, as we talked about, he's living in a world that he denies exists, right? Like the kind of world that God actually made. Uh, but also, like, so the whole, you know, civilization that you live in was not built off the belief of the Loch Ness Monster. Um, the, the vast majority of people, not just people in general, right? Not just the so-called goat herders that you believe, which by the way, anybody who herds goats does like know factually more things than most of these people, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are actually far superior in intellect because they herd goats, it... right? It just is like, that is the fact, right? They know far more about the world. They know far more, even just scientifically, they can teach you more than you could ever teach them. So um, to to mock them as goat herders is ridiculous. And again, as we said, they actually weren't goat herders. <laughs> so so that's also silly. Uh, but like these people built the world that you live in, uh, and now complain about them in. Um, also, the vast majority of these people, not just regular people, but intellectuals, right? Like the 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 uh, most well trained, the most well read the most philosophically astute, the most 
um, involved in the sciences, right? Every branch of science that I'm aware of traces itself back to Christians, right? So um, these are the people that you're saying, they're just like somebody that believes in the Loch Ness monster, right? Also, the the similarity breaks down, right? Like that's it, right? There's no similarity because we're talking about the very fundamental nature of reality and how it can be and what it means to exist or to like just be at all. Yes. And to say that the Loch Ness Monster has anything to do with that kind of a conversation of, of you know, transcendent reality is, again, it, it is an absurd categorical error that right. shows, once again, that atheism is cringe. Right. How you come to the answer of if something lives in a lake and a metaphysical claim are two completely different questions. Totally. All right. Let's do two more quick because there are two big genres. So here it is. So this is the, um, you got it. There are thousands of religion and they're totally different and they think they're right and everyone else is wrong. So this one's actually more interacting with your claim. Christianity specifically is not a fairy tale. And his answer would be, well, that's what Buddhists, Muslims, Mormons, Hindus, right? Come on. You know, there's all these answers and they all make the exact same claim as you there's no superiority there there therefore you know it is a fairy tale right well actually again this is not that different from saying yeah this is just what all human societies do right no so what you're saying is that everybody else but you and again your 10 friends on your reddit board wearing your fedora hats you, besides you guys everybody believes in some kind of external spiritual reality outside of what the materialistic science that you've been taught can recognize or or figure out um that if anything that just proves that there is something right mm -hmm. um and i don't believe that these false religions across the world particularly old religions right um religions that do uh date back to ancient times that they are purely fairy tales right no there there is a a spiritual reality behind them it is just a demonic and evil and satanic spirituality right it's there is real forces at work behind it right this is why paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the powers principalities of this dark and evil world so and then, um, yeah oh, anyway and and by the way and beyond that when you look at the world and the makeup of the world right now right the the religious makeup of the world the vast majority of you know uh religion in the world i could be wrong about this i this might not be exactly true and it's not let's let's you know take out of you know the equation yes those like extremely non-christian religions right when I'm, you're thinking of buddhism hinduism right that do have very ancient roots mm -hmm. and these things are they do have a spiritual power right a true spiritual power uh, that is not just yeah, they believed in silly ideas. It is uh, some of it is silly ideas, um, but the the reason that they are lasting in the way that they are is because there is a true spiritual power behind it. It's just not good. It's not a good spiritual power, which Christianity explains, right? There is there is an explanatory power within Christianity for that as well. Right. But also, a huge percentage of the religious belief on the planet today is, if it's not Christian, which you know a huge percentage of it is. Um, it is stemmed from Christianity, right? It's, it is influenced by Christianity, 
right? Even, you know, when you think about, you know, for instance, you know, um, how many religions today are, are Christian cults, right? They're not Christian in the truest sense, but they did stem from Christianity. They are cults that were built off of Christianity. I'm thinking of Mormonism. I'm thinking of the Jehovah's Witness, right? I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of these. And even Islam, right? Uh, we have significant influence from Judaism and Christianity in the in the formation of Islam. And so uh, like you have all of these things still in some sense being based upon Christianity, right? Being based upon the true religion. Yeah, basically nearly 60% of the world would fall into some form of Christianity, Christian cult, or Islam. Yeah. Um, I do think it is interesting because once again, yeah, it does not... Um, the the fact that it might be hard for you to figure out what answer is right of course is not like is not a is not a is not a proof in in any direction now yeah now finally pastor michael we'll go to the last one which would be the idea that it's hardly absurd in the absence of a better theory so right there is right we're talking about this is the like well without any more evidence right um, and then, of course, he says, with the controlling nature of society and the threat of denying it, is it enough to ensure belief? Yeah. So the threat of punishment for denying these things. Um, so there's there's two ways to um, talk about that. Right. Um, first, number one, this assumes that you are starting in the position that then we need to come in and defend ours. Right. Like you are starting from just the. Like everything is just naturally, everything's just atheism and you're making a radical claim that there's a God. And so now you really have to explain this, which we can and have and do all the time. Um, and if you just open your eyes and live in the real world, instead of just in your own head and on Reddit boards, again, it's obvious, right? It's plain, it's clear. But also, um, or to, to you know move beyond that, uh, you're actually the one making the radical claim, as we've been saying. Everybody agrees there's a God, right? Everybody, except for you, except for a handful of you guys. And so you are the ones making the radical claim. You need to bring an unbelievable amount of evidence to really prove that, which, by the way, you can't, okay? Mm. You cannot bring anything that would actually disprove God. So to, to act like you're the one that, you know, you're just in this place of kind of neutrality or something, that's that's absurd. But number two, the idea that, well, it's only because of the threat of punishment. And actually, I saw this a lot, right, in some of these comments when I did read them. There's a lot that just says, well, you know, if the church hadn't forced everybody and, and killed everybody that didn't agree with them, um, then, you know, this never would have happened. This never would have spread. And you can maybe argue that for like a couple of points in history in a couple of geographical locations when you know, the conquistadors were forcing people to convert at the tip of the sphere. Yeah. yeah, the Inquisition, what have you, right? You're telling me that the apostles who all either gave their lives or in John's case, still almost gave his life, right? I mean, just, you know, was, was, was tortured and brutalized over and over again, maybe even worse than just giving your life. You're telling me that that's true of them? Right. The, the church that was so persecuted and even today is even more persecuted in many parts of the world right. than it yep. ever has been. Right. There are more martyrs today. It, you're telling me that is some kind of like punishment for those who don't convert. 
right? It just, it shows again, a radical ignorance. It's not just like a little bit, like you just haven't read the right materials. It's, it is a radical ignorance and not just a radical ignorance, but it is a radical arrogance standing on top of radical ignorance. And mm -hmm. that is about as foolish as it can be. That, right. that is as cringe as it can be. It is interesting because as you think about it, it is this idea of, of like, and it also, these objections pretend like we still live in the a papacy controlled nation in the year 1200. That is what they're saying. Right. That's where we are. Mate, again, it's like, yeah, if we were in that time and someone said, wow, have you ever thought there was not a God? Do you think it's only because our citizenship, our money, our entire livelihood would be destroyed if we denied it? That person, there could, like, that person could at least credibly state this out loud. Right. That's not but, you. <laughs> but it's not us. It's not most of history. Yeah. The other thing I think is when we talk about this absence of evidence of a better perspective is it's absence. It's an absence of evidence you will accept. When anyone tells you, I just want our listeners to know, when everyone tells you these claims are made without any evidence, without any reason, you're just said, make a blind leap of faith. That's certainly not what we're saying. What you need to do is you need to ask them, what is the evidence you would accept? Now, and I'm not saying you should do that simply because you'll get a really honest answer and you'll get a really, like, it will help your conversation a ton. But one, it will help people think. But for example, like, your goal is to help everyone. My goal is to help people uncover their beliefs, right? If there are beliefs that are suppressed, I want to help that person understand what those are. So I want to talk about things like if they say, well, if only I had a miracle happen right in front of me. And my answer to that would be if so if you're saying if you saw something you couldn't explain miraculous happened right in front of you, you would confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't you think you would probably look for alternative explanations of it? Isn't that what you would actually do? Or you might tell me that science may not have been able to explain all of this yet. Isn't that what you probably would do? right? You've just done that with everything else. Because at the end of the day, and this is why starting in Romans today in the episode was such a good place. The problem in Paul's day wasn't Paul saying the problem with the Gentiles is that they're so convinced of polytheism. The problem wasn't that our claims about Yahweh, the one true creator God, are so tough to believe by faith. But he said, no, it's they suppress the truth in unrighteousness yeah the problem for anyone and i this is where um while pastor michael has gone hard uh at the at his 200 new friends on facebook this is the sympathy we can have for those yes the reason they must suppress the truth is because in their sin just like you and i in their sin in any of us left in our sin a confrontation with god would destroy us mm. and therefore you either hide in christ or you hide from God. Love All it. right, new atheist listeners clearly subscribing. Please just do five stars, a five star review of the <laughs> show. Um, five star you know a like and uh, uh, whatever, um, whatever. Share with all your friends. Share it with your friends. 
Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch us on Patreon. Catch us on YouTube. Uh, this has been great. Thanks, Pastor Michael.